look as good as he plays. Can you tell him that? Say, you look as good. <laughs> Stay with me. Thanks, guys. You look as good as he plays. Good morning, everybody. Hey, thanks, whoever said that. Uh, man, I forgot my little sweat rag, so forgive me. I got the little sweats going from all that playing because that was too much fun. Thanks, guys. Can we show our love for the worship team? And they're fantastic. Awesome. Hey, uh, just before we get in the Word, uh, missed you guys last week. Stay with me, bud, for a little bit. Um, missed you guys last week. I was in Australia. Thank you for praying for me and, and uh, covering me as I was there. I uh, had a real amazing weekend. Um, got to preach to 500 pastors uh, in Adelaide. Uh, and then flew to Melbourne and was with the church called Planet Shakers there, um, who some of you maybe have heard their music, but awesome, awesome guys. And um, got to preach uh, their whole weekend, uh, and you preach, but you're also preaching into a camera that goes to a lot of other locations. So um, I was in Melbourne, but preaching to Geneva, Switzerland, Singapore, uh, Austin, Texas, uh, South Africa, uh, all over the country of, of Australia as well. So preaching to 15,000 people. Uh, and then we saw over 300 people give their life to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? So had a great weekend. But uh, So thank you for letting me go. Thank you for praying for me. But there's no place like home. I'm glad I'm here. And uh, I landed and went and ate Mexican food. Everybody said amen. All right. Hey, uh, let me just give you two, two things real quick before we get in the Word. And you can turn to Exodus 3 if you want to. But while you're turning to Exodus 3, uh, we've got signups outside today for, um, for our media, our tech, our worship, our setup and teardown. We're looking for photographers, people to run pro presenter, people to uh, run cameras, run sound, lighting, setup, teardown. We need, we need all of those kind of things. And so really want to encourage you to get involved in one of those ministries. We need, we need people on every front. We need more people and more people. So if you have any of those gifts or if you're interested, if you just have a technical bent and you'd like to learn sound, if you'd like to learn how all this stuff works, we, we really need your help. So please get involved with that. And uh, it would be a huge blessing to us. Uh, as well as I believe to you. Amen. So there's a, there's a table outside right after service. You can sign up, get involved in that. And then uh, tomorrow night, big night for us, we have our night of worship and ministry. And um, it is not here, by the way, in case, you know, it's, uh, there's a card on your seat. Uh, a great church here in town called Epic Church is letting us use their buildings. We really appreciate them. And uh, it's right by us. It's basically, we're Fort Apache and Mall. It's basically Fort Apache and Warm Springs, I think. So it's like right, huh? Dur Durango and Warm Springs. It's really close to right here. Get the directions. Um, yeah, it's right by Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, uh, <laughs> who said that? Who said that? A pregnant woman said that. She's like, so, but not the one on Wallapai, but the one on, yeah, okay. So, uh, because they have better wings and they're more crispy. Okay, so anyway, um, so uh, tomorrow night, be with us, 7 o'clock. And let me just challenge you and also uh, ask my prayer warriors to pray. Um, 
experts, whoever they are, and thank God we are breaking every expert's hallelujah, okay? <laughs> experts say we should be a church of about 100 people, uh, and we're running about 500 people. Isn't that awesome? And so experts have been wrong, and I thank God they're wrong. Two things experts say. Never, never talk about heaven, hell, eternity, or evangelism because people don't care. So they say, only talk about marriage and how to make your life better and money and how to raise your kids and preach on felt needs, preach on peace, preach on love, preach on those, but never talk about reaching people because people don't care. Well, today we're starting a month-long series on evangelism, okay? (laughs) Number one. Number two, they say, never talk about the Holy Spirit, ever. And if you are going to talk about the Holy Spirit, for sure don't talk about tongues. Never talk about tongues. Ever, 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 ever. Well, tomorrow night, I'm going to teach on the Holy Spirit. And at the end of that service, we're going to give people an opportunity to receive their personal prayer language, to receive the gift of speaking in tongues. It won't be forced. It won't be weird. Um, and But it will be powerful. And... Um, Someone this week, I had lunch with a friend, and, and he said, he said you, you've, you've used this term Pentecostal. What does that mean? Well, I, I really don't like the term, so I try not to use it, but I probably have. Pentecostal is probably just as much culture as it is Bible. So when I say Pentecostal, it's kind of, it's how we clap and shout and have fun and worship, and that's part of it. But part two of that is that we believe everything that happened in the book of Acts happens today. Everything that happened in the ministry of Jesus happens today. And, uh, and that's really what it means. We don't believe that anything was only for that moment in history, but we believe it's for right here, right now. And uh, so we're going to talk about that a little bit tomorrow night. Really want you to be a part of it, 7 o'clock. And uh, the Knights are playing. I'm showing my love. But if you want them to win, you better be in church. All right. Exodus chapter 3. We're going to be in Exodus 3. For a month. So get used to it. Read it at home. Get into it. Let God speak to you. Exodus 3, verse 2. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing uh, from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement, though the bush was engulfed in flames that didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. And the Lord answered, don't come any closer. Take your sandals off for you're standing on holy ground. I'm the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I've certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their loud cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, a land where the Canaanites, Hittites, uh, Amorites, Perizzites, a lot of ites currently live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, because I'm sending you to Pharaoh. Notice that. God said, I see it, but I'm not going. 
you're going. <laughs> Man, Vegas really needs a move of God. Uh, maybe Vegas needs a move of the church. You're going to lead my people out of Egypt. You know, Jesus is not going to walk into a strip club and reach out to those women. Did you know that? I don't know if you know that. You know, Jesus is not going to walk the strip and preach. <laughs> if a guy looks like Jesus with a sign that says he's Jesus, he's not Jesus, okay? God says, I see the need, but you're going to go. He's not going to go to the Las Vegas rescue mission. We are. But Moses said probably the same thing you're thinking. Who am I to lead the people of Egypt out of Egypt? Who am I to stand before Pharaoh? I, I can't do this. But God answered. And I believe this is God's answer to City Light Church. I will be with you. I will be with you. We're going to start a, a collection today, a, a series of talks entitled, What Our City Needs From Us. What Our City Needs From Us. And today we're going to talk about a God encounter, a God encounter. Father, I just pray that you'd give us faith for this season and for this moment. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would anoint me, but that you would anoint us, that this series would be powerful and that it would stir us up to reach, to love, and to serve our city. That's my prayer in Jesus' name. Come on, everyone, give me a big amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Um, God has a plan for large cities. Let me just get this out right off the plat, uh, right off the bat. I just, I just want to, I just want to tell you something right now. God has a plan for large cities because large cities have influence. They have name recognition and they have resources. Let me say that one more time because I got to build your faith. Because a lot of you want to go move out to the country and hide and wait for the apocalypse. But God has a plan for large cities because they have influence, they have name recognition, and they have resources. Over 50% of the world lives in large cities. Over 3.5 billion people, over 50% of the world lives in major cities. 10 million people a month are moving into major cities. 10 million people a month are moving into major cities. And by the way, they're moving here. Vegas is booming again, and we're now the second fastest growing city in America. People are coming, and people are coming to this city. And by the way, they're coming. Some know Jesus, some do not know Jesus, but every person I believe needs a pastor. Every person needs a church. And why don't they show up right here? Amen. Can I get an Amen. So, so 10 million people a month around the world are moving into major cities. Las Vegas is growing. Las Vegas is prospering. Uh, with the UFC, with the NHL, go Knights go, hashtag no caps. Uh, with the NFL coming, with the Raiders coming, with large companies moving here all the time. This city is growing and people are coming into this city. And so though our city is booming, our city also has high uh, has huge needs. It has the highest divorce rate in America. It has one of the highest homeless rates in America. 
It has one of the, the highest youth homeless rates in America. We have one of the highest unsheltered homeless rates in America. So we, we have homeless people and they have nowhere to go. We're the sixth most unchurched city in America. Uh, our city is known as Sin City. I mean, that kind of tells you right there. We probably need God to really move in our city. Can I get an amen? amen. And so I just, I, I, want you to, I want you to sense this because I believe that God has a plan for this city. And I'm going to try to prove it to you over a month. I'm going to try to convince you of it over the next month. I'm going to try to convince you that you are in the right place at the right time because I believe God wants to do something amazing in this city. Now, let me, let me break this down for you. Europe is a post-Christian continent, and it is full of post-Christian nations. So Europe at one time has had great revivals, great awakenings the great reformation, but it is now post-Christian and it is in a massive descent and it needs a revival. America is on the cusp of becoming post-Christian. We're almost there. We're, we're close. But here's something amazing about Las Vegas. Las Vegas is pre-Christian. Las Vegas has never had a major move of God. L.A. has had great moves of God from Azusa and on. New York City, Boston, we could go down the line. Great, uh, great Latin American revivals in, in, um, in Miami and different places in Florida, all through Texas, Tulsa, all, all through Alabama. 90% of Alabama is in church this morning, 90%. But Vegas has never had that kind of breakthrough. The state of Nevada has never had that kind of breakthrough. Why don't we be the first? Oh, man, I wish I had some faith this morning. I said, why don't we be the first to really see something significant happen that I believe would shake the world and inspire the church? See, let me give you a little insight about pastors. If churches boom in Alabama, for instance, pastors, because pastors are prideful and petty, <laughs> they end up going, well, yeah, of course, Alabama, because 90% of the people go to church anyway, so, I mean, it's easy to grow a church there. Or if you have a booming church in a small town, you go, well, yeah, well, the pastor is talented. I mean, they got nothing else to do in that town. There's only 4,000 people. Of course, they're all going to go to church. But if we have a move of God in our church in this city, I believe it would inspire pastors like never before. I believe it would inspire Christians like never before. I believe people would see it and go, oh, my gosh. If God can do it there, he can do it anywhere. If God can do it there, he can do it in Seattle. If God can do it in Vegas, he can do it in Orlando. If God could do it in Vegas, he can do it in El Paso. If God could bring a breakthrough there. See, this is why I think you are so important and this church is so important. And, and trust me, I'm, I'm not believing our own press and I'm not impressed with anything about us. But I do believe there's an important call of God on our church because I believe there's just enough tenacity, just enough grit and just enough faith upon us and just enough anointing upon us. And I do believe there is a call upon my wife and I that something significant can happen here that could literally inspire men and women around the country to say, God, do it here. God, do it there. God, release something in our church. Wow, if they can get a breakthrough in Vegas. See, when I moved to Vegas, I got two calls from two different pastors, and they both said, you cannot plant 
on the west side. You cannot plant near Summerlin. You, you cannot be on this side of town. You'll never grow. No one will come. No one goes to church. That, that zip 89135, that belongs to the Catholics and to the Mormons and to the Jews, but no Christians are there and no one will go there. So you can't go there. Oh, but by the way, don't come to our side of town either. And God bless them. But I'll tell you what, as they were saying those things, I hit the mute button on my phone. And as they're saying those things, I'm saying I bind these words in the name of Jesus Christ. I declare they're powerless. I declare no weapon. They had no idea. I was doing spiritual warfare. Lord, I I thank you that we are going to the Summerlin area and that people are going to come to this church from every corner of town. Lord, I just thank you. You're going to bless it. 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 And then I unmuted. I went, wow, thank you, Pastor, for that wisdom. God bless you. And I hung up. Let me tell you why God wants to do something powerful. Look at this, Acts 19, 27. There is a revival breaking out in this region. And look what it says. They said, we've got to stop Paul from preaching. Of course, I'm not just talking about the loss of public respect for our business. In other words, there was such a move of God that their businesses of idol worship and witchcraft were shutting down. Don't tell me that can't happen in a city. But the people were, they were trying to look good. So they were like, well, you know, it's not just about our money that we're losing. I'm also concerned that the great temple of the goddess of Artemis will lose its influence. Notice this. In Artemis, this significant goddess worshiped throughout the province of Asia and around the world will be robbed of her great prestige. They said, we've got to stop these guys from preaching Jesus because the effects are going to be worldwide. Right now, they're, they're affecting our city, but from our city, they're going to affect our province, and from our province, they're going to affect the world. Oh my gosh, doesn't this sound like Matthew 28? Go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them all things first in Jerusalem, Judea, come on, Samaria to the ends of the world. Listen, something can happen in a city that can shake a whole world. I know this is crazy preaching. You're going, Jabin, maybe if the church was bigger, maybe if we had more money, maybe this, maybe that. This was one crazy gospel preacher named Paul preaching the gospel. Well, Jabin, maybe you can preach like this in a couple of years when you've proved yourself. I've been in ministry 20 years. I'm telling you, God can do this. God can do something significant in a city, so significant that it would rob the devil of glory around the world. Go ahead, clap your hands. I feel like you want to, and I know I'm I'm provoking you. I want to provoke you. God has a plan for cities. God specifically called Jonah to the city of Nineveh. Not another city, Nineveh. Not many cities, Nineveh. One city. Because God knew if I can break through in that city, it will send a chain reaction. It won't happen in another city, but it'll happen in that city. Jesus specifically 
called Jerusalem to repentance, Matthew 23. Because he knew that if something happened in Jerusalem, word would spread. Acts 23, God specifically called Paul to Rome. Not a bunch of cities, Rome. Not provinces, Rome. God said, if, if you can break open Rome, if the heavens can open over Rome, if the spiritual atmosphere can shift over Rome, if something can happen in Rome, it will shape and shake the world. By the way, it did. The prayers of God's people can affect the destiny of a city. Acts chapter 16, verse 9. Paul wants to go to this one city and preach. But the Bible said that the people begin to pray. Paul had a vision. It's called the Macedonian call. And the people begin to pray. And Paul has a vision of them praying, saying, Paul, you must come to my city. Paul changes his plans, goes to Macedonia, and there is a great revival, a great breakthrough. Eventually, the Philippian church would be birthed. We now have the book of Philippians started from that call. Paul did not go for any other reason than the people of God began to pray in a city and God began to answer the prayers of the people in a city and the man of God went to that city and all of a sudden the whole city began to change. Friend, our prayers make a difference. Our worship makes a difference. Our church makes a difference. You never know the way that God is going to answer a prayer. I'm telling you, our prayers can shape the destiny of a city. Daniel prayed. Daniel chapter 10, he began to pray. And here's what's amazing. The Bible said that he prayed, but there was no answer. And he prayed and he fasted and he prayed and he fasted. We call it the Daniel fast. And eventually the archangel Michael, he breaks through and he says, the moment you prayed, I heard you. But there's been a fight in the spirit. Read it in your Bible. It's crazy. This is great. This is better than, than whatever TV show you like. This is full of drama. And, and the Bible says that Michael said, Daniel, God heard your prayer right away. But as I came to answer your prayer, the prince of Persia, this is spooky, right? I mean, but this is in your Bible. The prince of Persia fought me. Do you not think there is not spiritual warfare over our city? Of course there is. And that's why we must pray. There are principalities and powers that are over this city that have been assigned to regions. And if devils have been assigned to regions, Christians have been assigned to regions. And if demons have been assigned to regions, the church has been assigned to regions. And I just got news for you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We can do something in this city. And we must reach our city. We are missionaries to our own culture. I love what the great Charles Spurgeon said. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. <laughs> I want to be a missionary. I want to reach this city for the glory of God. Not for me to have a bigger church. Not for us to get more money. Not for us to just build buildings for the sake of building buildings. They're, they're, our city is in grave need of Jesus. 
And it's not just going to happen by us simply gathering, but it's going to happen by us saying, I'm not just going to be a Christian, but I'm going to be a missionary to my world. God, I don't need to go to Asia. I don't need to go to Africa. I don't need to go to South America. I'm right here, right now. Here I am, Lord. Send me. I'll preach. I'll teach. I'll help. I'll serve. I'll witness. I'll love. I'll share my testimony. So what does our city need from us? I'm going to be talking about this for a few weeks. Are y'all, are y'all with me? Are you being stirred? I hope, I hope you are. This is so cute. This is obviously from a parent of a baby. This is the cutest sweat rag I've ever used. Who gave me this? Did you? Oh, this is Xavier's. We have a special bond now. Tell him that when he gets older. That's funny. <laughs> what does our city need from us? Here's, here's week one. That was just a little bit of intro. Let me, let me get into this now. Here's week one. Our city needs, this is what our city needs from us. This is what your city needs from you. Our city needs us to have a God encounter. When God calls Moses, the first thing that happens is Moses, he encounters the presence of God. Friend, I'm talking about a life-giving, daily walk with God that changes who you are and affects everyone around you. I'm talking about a God encounter. I'm not talking about, that was a cute sermon. I'm not talking about, I like that song. I'm, talk, I'm talking about a God encounter. I'm talking about that no matter what comes your way and no matter what people say, you can say, I know God. I don't just know about God. I haven't just heard of God. He's not just my dad's God or my mama's God. He's my God because I know God for myself because I've encountered God for myself. I want to tell you that this church must be a place of the God encounter, but it must first start with you and with me having our own God encounter every day. I want to tell somebody our God is not an idea. He is real. He is not a concept. He is alive. He is not a historical rumor. He is moving and active in our world. And our God is not distant. Our God is right here. Our God is right now. And our God is to be known, not just known about. Jesus said, John 15, remain in me. Connect with me. Know me. And I will remain in you. Jesus said in John 10, my sheep hear my voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. You can hear the voice of God. Is it with my actual ears? Maybe, but I find that the voice of God is too loud to be heard with your natural ears. It's so crystal clear and so loud. It's not even a natural thing. It's something here. It's like, it's like it hits you right here, and all you can say is, I know this is the way. I know God's talking to me. This goes deeper than anything I could ever experience with my natural ears or my natural eyes. This isn't a, one of the five senses. It's almost like a sixth sense. It is the supernatural sense of the Holy Spirit, and I know that God is talking to me. God wants to talk to you. God wants to encounter you. God said, Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, call unto me, and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things. The, the plan of God is for the people of God to encounter God. The plan of God is for the people of God to encounter God, that we would talk to God and God would talk back to us. 
that you can talk to God about your job and God will talk back to you about your job. And you can talk to God about your family and God will talk back to you about your family. And you can talk to God about that. How do I witness to that person? And God will give you a word for that person. God will give you a strategy for that person. God will help you raise that teenager because that teenager is different than that teenager. And how you talk to him, you can't talk to him. And if you'll call upon God, God says, I'll, I'll tell you things you don't know about. It's a God encounter. David said, I love God. I love God because I prayed and he heard my cry. Psalm 116. Friend, you can love God. Paul said, Philippians chapter 3, I want to know Christ. I want to know him. Not just knowing about him, I want to know him. Your relationship with Jesus is your greatest witnessing tool. Jesus is not a subject to be studied. He is a person to be known. And in Matthew 11, he says, come to me. All who are weary, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God wants to give you an encounter with his presence. Now from Exodus chapter 3, by the way, this is why we're doing tomorrow night. Because I want people to have a God encounter. We're just going to have a little bit more worship. Why? Just to let you breathe a little bit. I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Why? Because, because if Jesus is God with a face, the Holy Spirit is God everywhere. And the Holy Spirit will walk with you and talk with you and guide you and lead you and correct you and help you. And you need the life of the Holy Spirit. And so the whole reason we're doing tomorrow night is because I want you to have a God encounter. Let me give you some things from the text. Number one, when I encounter God, I discover who I am. Whoa. This is going to be good. When, when, when Moses meets God... Before God tells Moses who he is, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He first tells Moses who he is. Moses sees a burning bush, walks up to it, and God says, Moses, Moses. When you meet God, you find out who you are. It is not until I know God that I know myself. It is not until I find God that I find myself. See, some of you are trying to be on a journey of self-discovery. You don't need to go on a journey of self-discovery. You need to go on a journey of God-discovery. Some of you are convinced that what you need is three months backpacking through Europe, and you're going to find yourself. You don't need that. If you can do it, more power to you, go have fun. But I'm telling you, what you really need is God discovery. Because when you see Jesus, he tells you who you are. If I'll seek God, God will find me and God will show me who he is and who I am. By the way, this is why worship is so important. This is why I want you here on time. I don't want you here on time because I'm weird. I don't want you here on time because I'm OCD. I'm not. I definitely don't want you here on time because I'm controlling. I'm not. Let me tell you why I want you here on time. Because you have to worship God. And here's why. Because if you'll tell God who he is, yes. huh, God will tell you who you are. Yes. 
Oh, can I get a witness from somebody? If, if, if you'll say, God, you're holy, God will say, you're loved. God, you're awesome. You are secure. God, you're mighty. You're strong. God, you are, you are everywhere and you are not alone. When you start telling God who he is, God starts telling you who you are. And maybe the reason you don't know who you are yet is because you haven't discovered the power of worship. Because when you begin to declare who God is, God will always declare who we are. That's why usually the most confident people are worshiping people. Now here's the amazing thing. God will tell you who you are and who you're not. See, when you really know who you are, you're fine with who you're not. You're okay that you don't look like that or talk like that or sound like that or have that gift because you know who you are. And then you can celebrate other people's strengths because other people's strengths don't compete with me, they complete me. I don't want you to think like me. I want you to think like you because if I'll think like me and you'll think like you, we will come together in diversity. We will come together in unity. We will come, our strengths will marry and then we will be able to do more. That's why the Bible says one can send a thousand to fight, but two, 10,000. How does that work? Because it's a multiplication of gifts, talents, and abilities. I don't need to be everybody. I just need to be me. And when I find out who I am, I'll also find out who I'm not. God brings Moses, first of all, back to himself, but then he brings him back to his purpose because he says, Moses, Moses. But Moses in the Hebrew language means to be drawn out. Do, do, do you remember the story? You can read it later or watch the Prince of Egypt. It's up to you. But, but you'll remember that Moses' parents, there's an edict to kill all the children. So Moses' parents say, I will not let him die at the hands of Pharaoh. I'm going to put him in the river. Oh, man. That's a whole other sermon that I want to preach, but I can't right now. But there's, there's power in the river. There's protection in the river. There's life in the river. Anyway, and so, and the river represents the Holy Spirit, and that's why you got to walk with God, because when you walk with God, he'll cover you and he'll protect you, but that's a whole other sermon. I don't have time to preach it right now, but, but the Bible says his parents, they put him, they put him in this little basket, same Hebrew word as ark, they put him in an ark, New Testament tells us the ark is Jesus, and so... So they place him in Jesus. That's why you got to dedicate your children. That's why you should be water baptized. Because something happens when you get under the covering of the ark. And they put him in the ark. They put him in the river. They place him in the life of the Holy Spirit. He begins to go down that river. And then Pharaoh's daughter finds him. And she draws him out of the water. And she names him Moses because he's been drawn out. And now God is reminding Moses of his original purpose. Hey, Moses, remember when you saw that Egyptian abusing your, your relative? You saw that Egyptian abusing the, the, the Jew? You saw that, that, that Egyptian abusing that Hebrew person? And what did you do? Your anointing began to rise up, but it wasn't sanctified yet. So instead of protecting your brother, you killed the Egyptian. 
See, before you ever get saved, there's already a gift residing in you. They, you just don't know it yet because you don't know Jesus yet. But you're already working that gift. Moses already had that drawn out thing to draw his brother away and to save his brother. It was already in him. And now God is reconnecting him to his purpose. And he says, hey, Moses, the same way I drew you out of the river, you're about to draw a generation out of Egypt. In the same way that I spared you, I'm about to spare a generation. In the same way that I saved you, I'm about to save a generation. Moses, see, the reason you got saved, friend, the reason we are born again and don't go straight to heaven, the reason we're still here is because there are are people who need our story, our testimony, need our, our victory, need our faith. And in the same way that we were saved, drawn out, and protected from Egypt, now it's our job to draw out others. Friend, you got to have a God encounter. And I love what God says in verse 4. He says, Moses, Moses, he does not say murderer, murderer. But Moses was a murderer. The devil knows your name, but he'll only call you by your sin. God knows your sin, but he will only call you by your name. That's why people got to get to church, because when, when you meet, when you encounter God, God doesn't beat you up for what you did wrong, because you've already done plenty of that, and the devil's done plenty of that to you. God is bringing Moses back to purpose. When I encounter God, I find out who I am. I believe that you can walk in such a supernatural confidence about who you are and who you're not and who your God is that you'll make an impact everywhere you go. What does our city need from us? It needs us to have a God encounter. Number two, here's why. Because when we encounter God, it will amaze and draw people. Moses saw that burning bush and he went, this is amazing. I must go see it. I must take a closer look. Here's what I want the testimony of this church to be. This is amazing. I need to take a closer look. The preacher is not perfect. The music's not perfect. Kids' ministry is not perfect, but this is amazing. I'm sitting on a metal chair that's reminding me of my spinal issues, but this is amazing. We're in a cafeteria, but this is amazing. We got to set up and tear down in the heat of summer, but this is amazing. And it has nothing to do with me and it has nothing to do with this team. It has everything to do with God because when God's in the house and God's in the place and God is moving, here becomes the testimony of the people. This is amazing. I must go see it. I want to take a closer look. I may not understand everything. I may not even agree with everything. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm still in process. But wow, God is here. 
I feel something, I sense something. There's something different in here than, than that is in the club. There's something different in here than in the best concert or the greatest sporting event. It's different, it's holy, it's powerful, it's inspiring. I feel my heart mending. I feel my, I feel my life getting stronger. I feel my hope rising. What is that? It's the presence of God because when God's in a place, it will amaze people and it will draw people and that's what I want for this church. I want people to walk in and say, I am stirred, I am convicted, I am compelled, I am inspired, I want to go deeper, I want to take a closer look, I want to serve, I want to give my life away to something that's bigger than me, bigger than my opinion, bigger than my past, bigger than my gift, bigger than my own personal call. I want to get, I want to be a part of this because I feel something eternal is in the house and friend, you do feel it and let me tell you what that it is, it's he, his name is Jesus, it's the power of the Holy Spirit and that's why I want our church to be a place of encounter I'm not talking about Pentecostal tradition I'm not talking about charismania I'm talking about when God is in a house and all we can do is worship and honor God and our life is changed not because of the preacher but because of who he's preaching I've had so many people they, they talk to me and they go, we, we, we committed that we would not tithe. And then, dang it, man, you start preaching. And I look at my wife. Well, we need to start tithing. And she looks at me. Oh, yeah, I guess we do. We committed not to serve. <laughs> we needed a break. But dang it, you started, that worship started going. We just had to get involved. We told ourselves, we'll never go to a small group. I mean, you started talking about it. I'm not that convincing, friend. I think it's the response to the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I talk to other people, and they're still in process, and they go, we're thinking about serving. God's dealing with me about giving. God's working on my heart. It's the God encounter. And it will draw people and it will amaze people. Lastly, Jorge, you can come up. How do I have a God encounter? Here I am. How do I have a God encounter? Here I am. Exodus chapter 3, verse 4, Moses responds. Here I am. With my past, with my scars, with my doubt. With my issues, with my insecurities, with my fears. But God, I'm here. Moses surrenders. I want to challenge husbands tonight. Why don't you grab your wife's hand before you go to bed and just say, Lord, here we are. Tomorrow on your drive to work, why don't you throw on some praise and worship and just say, God, here I am. Before you make a big decision, take a moment to pray. Here I am. When you're dealing with a big challenge, God, here I am. When you get the best news of your life, Lord, here I am. On the mountaintop, on the valley low, here I am.
Well, Jabin, practically, what does that look like? Here's what it looks like. Read, pray, worship, wait. Read the word, pray, worship, but I think, I think number four is the missing key for a lot of people. Wait. Don't just bust into that meeting and sign the contract. Sit in your car. Turn off the music. Take a deep breath. And say, here I am. Wait. 3 a.m. and you hear your teenager coming through that front door. Beep, beep. Or you hear the window open or maybe you're waiting in their room for them and if you're like my mom, you were already there, just laying in bed. And, be- <laughs> and before you just scream and before you throw something and before, and before you do real damage. Oh, and they're going to get grounded. Yeah. But before you ground them. Wait. And before you go to criticize, Wait. Here I am, Lord. Live this way. Read your word, pray, worship, but every day have a moment. Well, Jabin, my, my, uh, my attention span is terrible. Okay, here's how long I encourage you to wait. Wait until you get distracted. For some of you, that might be 30 seconds. For some of you, it might be two seconds. And the next day, do it again. You know what you'll find out? you'll discipline yourself to learn how to wait on God. And in months and in years to come, you will be able to wait for minutes at a time and just wait in His presence. Answers, strategy, presence, peace, healing, breakthrough, God ideas. Because I waited. See, new age meditation is to empty your mind. Uh, Christian meditation is to fill your mind. God, I'm... I really want people to love this church, to be comfortable in this church, to feel welcome in this church. I do. I want that almost more than anything. But I really want you to feel welcome in this church. And I really want you to feel comfortable in this church. And I really want to make sure you feel like you are the guest of honor. So Holy Spirit, I pray that this would be a church where we always encounter your presence. No matter who's singing, no matter who's preaching, this is your place. This is God's house. I pray that this week, we would encounter your presence like never before. And then we would give it away to this world.
That's my prayer. And if that's your prayer, everyone said amen. And amen and amen. Let's applaud the Lord. Let's give him praise. Come on. Isn't he awesome? Thank you, Lord.